Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, my name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I'm also a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in for a deep edition of Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We at Bad Elf live our lives 60 spatial seconds at a time, and we know you do too. For this week's spatially related news, we are discussing oceanic mapping. If you're a map nerd like me, you'll appreciate this week's story regarding the precise mapping of the ocean's most extreme depths. In school, you may have learned about the famous 20th century cartography cartographer Marie Tharp monumental endeavor to map the ocean floor, published by National Geographic in 1977. Fast forward 40 plus years, and now a team of scientists led by Texan financier and adventurer Victor Vivesco are now in the process of mapping and updating the deepest points on Earth. The five deep uh, expedition, as it is called, is on the mission to accurately map the five oceans' deepest points to earn a new world record while adding amazing bathymetric geodesy data to the corpus of Earth's knowledge. Currently, about 80% of the Earth's floor has still needs to be surveyed and better understood. With the world's ever-changing environment, understanding the ocean floor and its correlated currents are paramount in the synthesis of global climate change. Not to mention, the ocean floor has a lot more life than one might expect. Understanding these deep water critters could potentially lead to some amazing scientific and medical breakthroughs. All right, that does it for this week's Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you enjoyed our selected news of the week. If you have any questions about this story, about Bad Elf GNSS products, or you have any other geodatically minded questions, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or other social media outlets. Till next time, Geoholics. Thanks. A quick note to express our appreciation of our 2021 friends of the program for their continued support. Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Mentoring Mondays, MentoringMondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, MonsonEngineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, NLCPrep.com, Parkland Community College, Parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us, Tiger Supplies, TigerSupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com. I love that song. <laughs> Hello, Geoholics. Welcome back, and thank you so much for listening to the Geoholics podcast. I guess we can call this one the Geoholics Liquid Lunch. What do you think about that? I like that name. Yeah, we, maybe we should do this more often. I mean, we are recording during the noon hour right here from the Diamondback Land Surveyor Studio in beautiful downtown Phoenix, Arizona. No place I'd rather be. Here we are, episode 82. Shoots, what'd you come up with for 82, buddy? This one was a tough one, but I got Raymond Barry. He was actually the... He was a head coach for the Patriots in Super Bowl twenty. Mm. That's after his career, but he was originally. This was something I found interesting. He's so old that he his position was called split end. Oh yeah, okay. I thought that was something in your hair. <laughs> it is. But he played for the Cowboys. He played for the Colts. Uh, two time NFL champion, six time Pro Bowler, three time first team All Pro. Uh, on the 75th anniversary all-time team, 100th anniversary all-time team, and 1950s all-decade team, and he was enshrined in Canton in 1973. Wow, did I, not did not know about him, and I, did a little research, and yeah, split end. 
I got to be honest with you, I consider myself a football guy, and I'm, I mean, I've heard the name, but uh, I learned something new today. There you go. That's, Thanks for that, Shoots. Man, oh, man, I'm just adding value and making friends. Way to dig deep. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. There's some big things happening with the Geoholics. As our support continues to gain momentum, more doors are opening, as they say. I'm going to leave it at that. So stay oh, tuned boy. for some very exciting announcements. We've got another awesome show lined up for you. But before we get to it, PJ, tell us about that opening number. Yeah, so this is the first song that we've had this entire time that I've already had it on my computer. So that was No Rain, Blind Melon. So Blind Melon is an American rock band formed in 1990 in Los Angeles, California by five musicians, three from Mississippi, one from Pennsylvania, and one from Indiana, um, that being Shannon Hoon. They are best known for their 1993 hit, No Rain, and enjoyed critical and commercial success in the early 1990s with their neo-psychedelic take on alternative rock. Lead vocalist Hoon died of a drug overdose on the band's tour bus in New Orleans on October 21st, 1995. On a brighter note, Blind Melon has been nominated for four Grammy Awards. Hmm. Yeah, and our guest today is uh, from Indiana, so that was the tie. In and come to find out, he's a huge fan, so yeah. it worked out really well. Ran right into him. Man, oh man. Yeah, we're going to have to <laughs> get that right story. We're going to get that story for sure. No doubt about it. All right. Um, our featured friend of the program this week is Cobb Fenley. Shoots, tell us about Cobb Fenley. Cobb Fenley, they're a grand company. They're committed to providing innovative engineering solutions with the goal of bettering communities. Their multidiscipline approach allows for the efficient completion of projects through experienced staff who focus on client communication, can confirm. From the beginning, the firm's project management approach has emphasized effective communication with a commitment to quality, integrity, and engineering excellence. Cobb Fenley's work history was built on private utility relocations and has expanded to include fundamental and specialized services needed to complete the most innovative infrastructure projects. You can find out more about them at www.cobbfenley.com. Shoots, I can tell it already. You are you're super focused today. I'm, uh, it's the middle of the day. I mean, this uh, is I got amazing. some energy. I'm He's in you. peak shoots mode right now. <laughs> might have to do this more often. I, I like need, it. I just need a little vacation over the weekend. Yeah, we're going to get to that here. Daytime recording. All right. Uh, time for the weekly pod word. I should say the Trimble Geospatial weekly pod word. This week's pod word is community. So as a reminder, simply jot down or make mental note of each week's pod word. At the end of each month, email them to us at info at to be eligible for that month's listener prize. This month, we have another $100 Amazon gift card as the May listener prize. So who doesn't want one of those? Is Jake eligible? No. Is my wife eligible? Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Jesus. Everybody's eligible. Thank God I bought stock in Amazon. <laughs> Jeez. Crazy. All right. Let's catch you boys just a little bit. Uh, PJ. How's it going, guys? Doing good. Um, so I am back on the cryptocurrency game. Oh this boy. is oh my god! I can't in? wait to hear this. I you're think in? I'm in. Yeah, Ethereum, <laughs> Ethereum, BTC, just all the classics. I mean, there's so many little coins that we talk about, and of yep. course, with Elon being on SNL this past yep. weekend, he's talking about Dogecoin, and now he's launched some SpaceX thing that's going to yep. be powered by Dogecoin. So I just think it's super fun, and you got to have a horse <laughs> in a race, even if it's just a little bit. Totally agree. Something I bought, like I would just hold on to for like years, just because mm -hmm. there's crazy things that have happened over the past mm -hmm. ten years with it maybe i don't know about 10 years with it that might as well just have some and if something crazy happens yeah and if you lose it you lose it so um there's just so much about that right now i think it's so interesting uh, so which one did you buy into ethereum, ethereum. Well, and, okay. and bitcoin yeah oh, a little bit of each yeah okay i just cool. kind of split yeah. up half and half and then i'm like yeah. kind of checking out like the smaller coins i don't think i would yeah. get into like that dogecoin yeah. just because it's kind of like a meme and it's a joke and they just mm -hmm. like flood the market with it crazy. um but yeah, I think it's interesting and all the blockchain stuff is so, so what, what are you buying yours on? I haven't bought it yet. I'm just, I'm, I'm dabbling, you know, I'm doing some research and that type thing. And, and, uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm ready to take the plunge though. I would just buy it and hold it. Yeah. I mean, you just have a horse in the race. You never know. It yeah. could just blow up and then, exactly. then we lose a producer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, my brother had it like eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. He was like, but you guys had that, like that, that high powered yeah, he, computer he, with a flame shooting out of it. Yeah. That was like mining. Well, he mines Ethereum and he's been mining Ethereum for the past like five, six years or so, maybe less than that. But See. so, I mean, he's on the right side of that. Um, but that's my interesting mind. stuff. Ethereum. Definitely. You guys I, are on a whole nother level. I, I, I want to learn. I want to learn more about it before yeah. I, uh, you know, Jake drop a chunk. Don't learn. It, just buy. That's Jake what makes I, yeah. me well, feel old. <laughs> yeah. He, he like talks about this stuff and I'm like, yeah, um, I'm yeah. 10 years Well, you ago. can watch a couple of YouTubes on it. It'll get up to speed pretty fast. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but Shoots, how are you? I cannot complain. Like I previously mentioned, got a little vacation thanks to uh, Trent Keenan. 
the most generous guy I've ever met in my life, I must say. Uh, I got to give him a shout-out for filling in for me last week. Thank you very much. Uh, he had, had us out to Vegas for his client appreciation 13th, golf tournament. 13th annual. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't have the uh, trophy to prove that I was there this year, you know, but yep. it was a good time. I enjoyed some some hanging out with the lovely Megan and, and Kent on at the casinos, and unfortunately, no live craps tables. Really? It was weird. Yeah. It was it was, weird. it was all, like, they had digital craps. Oh, you mean you Did- can do that here? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yep. So, exactly. Well, we should be getting live craps tables here. Soon enough. Soon enough, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you guys, did you guys talk about the uh, sports book in Phoenix? No, uh, I don't think so. No. Caesars yes. is teaming up. Yeah, with- so right now we know TPC is going to have one, and the Diamondback Stadium is going to have one. I think that that's it for physical locations, and then mm-hmm. there's going to be every app that you can get onto, right? So well, can we open school. one here in the studio? We should. If we, we Diamondback Land Surveying yes. Sportsbook. Yes. There we go. Yes, I'll I call Trent. It. Oh, my goodness. That <laughs> enterprising oh, voice. Awesome. <laughs> what about you, Ken? Other than the... Yeah, no, you hanging uh, out with me. Yeah, I mean that was my trophy. My trophy is the memory <laughs> of hanging out with you last Friday in Vegas. That, that was, was that it was, was a, good a time. great time, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Uh sh- PJ, you mentioned Elon being on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Did you watch? I didn't watch it live, but I watched the reruns of it and like the skits. This, yep. I didn't love the skits, but I thought the monologue, like the first part of it before yep. his mom came in, he was taught. I mean, obviously he didn't write that and I'm yeah. sure he practiced it over and over. Yeah. But normally when you see him at like the Tesla events, the SpaceX events, he always like is wanting to, to speak mm-hmm. and he's a terrible public speaker. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he was pretty comfortable, I would say, more comfortable than he usually is up there. And obviously he didn't write that stuff, but it was mm-hmm. semi-funny. Mm-hmm. OJ Simpson thing was funny. It was pretty funny. And you, you just, he's just, he's so socially awkward. You know, yeah. but he did bring up the fact that he has Asperger's. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, hearing that, you know, that kind of makes... Not that that's very surprising. I mean, obviously something surprising. was happening yeah. there. Yeah, yep, right. totally agree. But, you know, I, I, all in all, I think he did a good job. I, I did see a quote. I don't know if this is something that he said when he was on uh, SNL or something he, he, he tweeted or whatever, but he said, he said, I, I sometimes say or post strange things, but that's just how my mind works. Yeah, he said that and, during the yeah. monologue. And mm-hmm. I could totally relate to that because I really, I post some really dumb shit sometimes. Yeah. That's where my mind works. It happens. Yeah, it just happens, right? You're not always on your game. Well, and the the difference though, he has 53 million followers on Twitter, right? So there's so (laughs) many, and he's got so many people looking, investing in him and stuff like that. But but again, it doesn't stop him. He just does whatever he wants to do. I think it's so cool. He has 53 million followers. Do you have 53? Uh, 53. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just cut off a few zeros. But I was going to say, as far as Vegas goes, holy crap, Vegas has gotten expensive. Oh my goodness. It is Stupid! It's dumb. They're it's try- crazy. They're they're trying to make up for. Lost they are time. absolutely doing that. No question. I, I, you cannot walk out of your room mm-hmm. without spending fifty bucks. Oh yeah, if, if you're thirty bucks. Let's say if you go downstairs to get two coffees and a freaking pastry, it's thirty bucks. Yep. It's, it's just dumb. Yeah, it's dumb, beers but, are like eight bucks a piece, and yeah. But uh, nevertheless, great time, great weekend. Um, and just say one last time, thanks, Trent, for uh, for an awesome experience. Yes, sure. that was fantastic. Yep, yep. The gift that keeps on giving. That's Trent Keenan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for the safety apparel, safety share, and other things to avoid. And other things to worry about. To worry about, yeah. All right. I'm going to try and keep this one short and sweet and accommodate to our listeners because last week I was ripped thoroughly <laughs> for my <laughs> over-exuberance, uh, we'll call it. We're going to talk about ergonomics. Do you guys know what that is? Uh, posture. Yes, posture. Yes. There you go. Ergonomics I'm practicing is a science. It right now, yeah, as we speak. The, the, the <laughs> second <laughs> you said that, I started sitting up straight. Everybody sits up. Ergonomics is a science that deals with designing the work environment for natural interaction to reduce stress and eliminate injuries associated with the overuse of muscles, bad posture, and repeated tasks. Did you know 1.5 million workplace injuries are reported each year, and about half are directly attributed to poor ergonomics? Well, think about ergonomics right now. Everyone working from home, mm-hmm. people are like laying on their couch on their laptops. And stuff. Oh yeah, I mean the ergonomics has gone out the window right now. Yeah, it's it's terrible. I I, I, I get corrected I'm all the time yep. about my bad posture from my lovely wife. But a uh, couple of things, real quick. Your workstation should accommodate the full range of motions you need to do your job. Easy enough. Avoid awkward postures, which put strain on joints, improve work processes to reduce unnecessary reaching and lifting. If you'll be standing for long periods of time, use anti-fatigue floor mats, adjust the height of your work table. If you're sitting for extended periods of time, adjust chairs so that you're, excuse me, so that you have proper leg and back support. Take rest breaks to interrupt ongoing repetitive <coughs> movements. 
Very good. Yeah? Was that short Very and good. sweet enough? Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a little offended about that one. The last it, one? It hurt me a little bit last week. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to keep it shorter, and, uh, you know, most of the people we deal with have to sit at a desk at some point. M- yeah. Most of the people right now are sitting at a desk listening to this. Exactly. Or in their car. True. Sit up in your car. Yeah. Yep. Everybody yep. fix your posture right now. My back just cracked as I did it. All right. Thanks, Shoots. Absolutely. Nicely done. All right, let's get on with this. Our guest today is Michael Bowman. A little bit about Michael before we jump in. Uh, he was born in Bloomington, Indiana. As for his hobbies, he focuses on living and experiencing life rather than devoting time to one single hobby. I like I love it. that. Interests are helping others both in their organizations and life find their way to brighter to a brighter path forward. Uh, he works in the not-for-profit space, a cabinet builder, and currently calls himself, and this is exactly why I'm excited to have him on, a cultural guru taking care of both the emotional and cultural needs of organizations. I'm so intrigued by that. Michael, welcome to the Geoholics. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, man. It's always an honor to, to be asked to speak at any time, so I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Tell us a little bit about uh, the cultural guru quote. I don't think I've ever heard that before, and I want an understanding of what exactly you mean by that. So that was a term given to me uh, at my former employee. Um, it was actually something that I have kind of walked around, a moniker that I've walked around with for a long time. Um, but uh, that was one where they needed they needed a role filled that could bridge the gap between the blue collar boots on the grounds and execs. And so I'm like, okay, well, we don't really have a name for this. What are we going to call it? And um, our CEO at the time, uh, Thomas Hahn is a great guy. And he's always pretty snap. He's like, Oh man, I got it. It's, it's obvious. It's hmm. cultural guru. And I'm like, man, at first, it was really hard for me to, to grasp hold of that one for a while, but he just, he, he laid it on me and he was like, no, you need to have it. And, and he wouldn't let it go. So that's where that came from. I like it. I like it. I, I don't want to skip over the, uh, the Shannon Hoon story you were talking about a little bit before we jumped <laughs> on here. So talk a little bit about your connection. I mean, it was, it was just coincidence that I picked that song and you, you've, you know, bumped into or met Shannon before. So talk, tell us just a little bit about that story. So this story, don't think less of me. I was young. Okay. Let me just uh, premise by saying that a friend of mine uh, and I were uh, hanging out in Northern Indiana towards in, in Purdue campus. And I literally ran into him. We were walking down the street and I, he was running huh. and I just slam into this guy and I look into him and I'm like, Oh my God. I go, dude, you're Shannon Hoon. And he's like all day, baby, all day. <laughs> and he was, I, I have to admit that the man was not on the same planet we were all on. Wow. And so I looked at my buddy, Jonathan, I'm like, it's Shannon Hoon. He's like, and the whole band. And so they were all literally running. They were sprinting like across the street, then back to us. And it was just massively chaotic. And so, um, but it was awesome. He's super cool, rad dude. And I uh, talked to him for just a little bit and really, even though he was on a different planet at the time, very accommodating. He was just a cool guy, and I was already a fan anyway, and so, so that's my Shannon Hoon story right there. I am so jealous. <laughs> it's such a great you, story. You've never had a brush in with a f- Not celebrity the, well, like that? Well, yeah, a few, I suppose, but, oh, I didn't tell you guys this. I should have s- s- talked about this earlier. I am 99.9% sure Archie Bradley was on our flight back to Arizona. There you go. The yeah. beard. Yes. I'm 99% sure it was him. Did you see the beard? Did you like, no, no, it was, did you try yeah. and grab it or? No, but he's like six, no. four. I mean, he was <laughs> everything Archie Bradley. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't grab the beard. Don't grab, don't grab the beard. The beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So you've been a, a life coach, pastor, mentor, and of call, of course, cultural guru. How have these experiences molded you as a person and influenced you to create Bowman legacies? For me growing up, I didn't really have a lot of support. So I was kind of, you know, it's like a, it, it's like a pet that you don't teach. It's not supposed to, you know, take a dump in the, in the living room. So I was always doing that figuratively everywhere I went. And it just constantly was making mistakes and errors. And, and, um, it was a very angry young man. So I didn't have a lot of guidance. And so I just kind of wrapped my existence around my masculinity. And it was all about one feet after another, whether that was an adrenaline push or whether that was a feat of strength or whether that was, uh, you know, um, 
you know, getting involved in, in fights. Uh, I, I always equated that to being a man. And then all of a sudden I came to this place where I was, I realized that one, I didn't have a lot of friends because <laughs> I was an asshole. And two, I realized that uh, my wife was pregnant and here I have this baby, a girl, no less coming into my life. And I have to figure, I got to get my shit straight. I got to figure things out. And so it scared me to death. And so it started me on this journey to realize that, you know, to be a, a, a there were deeper things to being a leader and to helping people. And it just made me want to be passionate to help people that were just like me, blue collar guys who kind of felt like their heads were wrapped around like one template of what a man should be, but never feeling like they were moving forward on a bigger level, feeling like God or the universe was against them. But really it's just what they didn't know. There Very was this thing that they didn't know. And then there, yeah, it was bigger than them and they didn't realize it. And so that I just devoted my life to wanting to help those people and to, to rediscover it for myself all the time, because, you know, I don't know everything. So I'm constantly in this state of learning and growing and, and I want to help other people do it. So naturally I've been doing that in organization after organization was in the non-for-profit space for a very long time. Um, counseled one percent of bikers and people coming out of prisons. I was in jails, uh, counseling people on suicide watch and, and different things like that. And just trying to help people move forward. And then when I realized that I could actually do that in the civil construction and mining space, uh, it really rocked my world. So I just changed that direction. And now uh, I have an international following and I help people on a much bigger level and a larger scale than I ever thought possible. Wow. Good for you. That is, that is mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so a lot of it really like your upbringing, basically, you know, what the, maybe the people that you connected yourself to when you were young. I mean, that was really kind of what formed, formed your, 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 your values, I guess. Would that, would that be an accurate statement? Oh, absolutely. You know, when the little kids are in the playground, they said, well, my dad can beat up your dad, your dad can beat up. And that argument, I would just walk in the middle of everybody and said, my dad could beat up all your dads. And they would all agree. They would like, yes, <laughs> yes. Mike's dad can beat up all of our dads. And he was just this Viking beast of a man could rep 400 pounds um, as a young man or young kid. saw him pick up a man, my size over his head with one arm and the other one taunting another guy to come after him. And he was terrifying. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to be just like him, man. I wanted to sure. grow up and be just like my dad. Yeah. And that was my template. And not to say that my dad's a bad guy, sure. you know, that was his template, you know, and, but my life changed, you know, and I headed into a different direction because I saw, not that my dad wasn't enough, but that I needed to be different and I needed to be more to a baby girl that was coming into my life. So, man, I need to change. And then I need to take that same passion and fire and put it into more of a positive direction. It's going to help people move along their way as well. So when did the switch flip and you, uh, um, you know, you suddenly took on that perspective? Well, you know, literally again, going back to my dad, um, he gave his life for the blue collar world. I watched that guy uh, work himself to death. He was gone all the time. He worked as hard as he could because he felt like, you know, his body was a thing that he could use to pay the bills and to feed his children. And so he literally gave his life for us in so many ways. And, you know, as I watch him encroaching in his older years, um, I realize he's not bull of the woods anymore. And there comes a time where you're going to bump into your own mortality and you're not going to be the toughest guy in the room anymore. You're not going to be able to outwork people anymore. And you're going to have to change for the sake of longevity and moving forward. And if you don't, then you hit this brick wall. And I watched my dad do that. And it was very sad for me. And uh, I watched a really great guy who worked really hard, feel very worthless. And he shouldn't have, you know. But the blue collar world didn't give him a whole lot back for his service. And I decided, you know, that's got to change. Absolutely. I can completely relate to that story. My dad worked construction since the time he was like 16 years old. He was a janitor. He was a plumber. I mean, total blue collar guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, honestly, I wouldn't change anything about my upbringing. No. And he instilled in me a work ethic that, um, I mean, it's hard to compete with. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but because of the way he raised me and my brother, for that matter, we both have unbelievable work ethic. So yeah. uh, there's without question something to be said for that. Um, as you know, most of our listeners fall into that blue collar category of workers. And obviously that's a group of folks that you are very, very passionate about helping or elevating to new levels. So um, no, let, let's, let's kind of lay the groundwork. I mean, talk about the importance of blue collar workers in today's world. 
having a worldwide uh, following, I talk to people everywhere from Istanbul to Egypt. I have a large following in Canada and Australia. And one of the things that is the same, exactly the same everywhere is the need for people who are willing to pick up this rock and move it over here so you can build on top of it, or you can use that rock to build with it. And no matter what infrastructure is desperately needed, I mean, obviously the world faces, especially our world here in America, a major recruiting crisis that we're in the middle of. And blue collar people, I think, have never really been elevated to the place that they need to be uh, from, from the beginning of time. And I think that's one of the major things that we face because without you, we literally can do nothing. For those of you that are listening and you you bleed it blue every single day, you're out there running equipment, you're out there... On, on a shovel, on a shovel, either in a shovel or actually, you know, leaning on one. And if you're the guy holding the stop sign there in traffic, you are so vital. And I want to tell you that you're not lesser than because you're doing those things. Don't let yourself or anyone else tell you that because without you, we can't move forward as a nation. Without you, there's nothing that can be done, period. You should be elevated to the highest place of, uh, uh, in, in the site, I think of Americans, I think we're totally missing it because we elevate people that are just all about the spectacle. It's all about spectacle in our country. Now, you know, the, the bigger you can show your pardon my exp this expression, but the bigger you can show your ass, the more people will look at you, but there's these people, these beautiful, wonderful people that are working those 60, 70, 80 and 90 hour weeks that are doing what they do every day. That makes it possible for that guy who's showing his ass to make millions of dollars. And I just really appreciate you for all you've done because I've been the guy holding the stop sign. I've been the guy leaning on the shovel. I've been on the, the guy in equipment. I've been the guy who's put his life on the line just so someone can have rock and, and know what it's like to see a shot go bad and, and, see material over your head and black out the sky. So I know what you go through every single day and I love you and appreciate you for it. Yeah, really good stuff. And I was thinking about, I was actually, I think I was watching the Sopranos last night and <clears throat> which, I mean, that could be a really bad thing, of course, but <laughs> I, uh, I'm like powering through it. I'm like, I think I'm on a uh, season five, episode eight or something, powering through it, you know, just kind of never watched it from beginning to end. And I was thinking about our conversation that we were going to have today. There was it's something said in the episode that I thought was really interesting and it had to do with AJ, you know, that's uh, Tony's son, of course, mm -hmm. and he wasn't doing very well in school. And uh, June, uh, I think the uncle or the yeah Uncle June or whatever, he said, well, the world always needs ditch diggers, you know, because he wasn't doing well in yeah. school. He could always be a ditch digger, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, the blue collar workers have been, you know, I don't want to say a negative life, but looked down upon on for a number of years, you know, like a second class citizen or Absolutely. whatever. And uh, what, you're, what you're doing, Mike, is... is you know, to be commended because just like you said, I mean, the, we, thank you. This world could not exist without that army of blue collar workers that we have. Everybody, yeah. everybody has their place in their role and it mm -hmm. all contributes mm -hmm. no matter how small. No question. No question. And I think it's really interesting that you've been able to talk to people all over the world about this because I mean, we've been very fortunate to have those same type experiences talking to folks all over the world about the survey profession, land surveyors, yeah. which in a lot of most cases fall into that blue collar category. Um, but there's a lot of challenges that these skilled trades are facing right now. Are you hearing that thing, that same type thing from the people you talk to around the world? I think the not so much the dynamic of the way different countries do things are so different than America. Mm. And some of the people that I talk to, they don't have a choice, but to work where they work. And I think that one of the big things is obviously is recruiting and retention. It's the biggest buzzword that you hear right now or buzz phrase that it's all about recruiting and retention, recruiting and retention. And, and people are spending big money on really making themselves look flashy, really making themselves look like the best thing ever saying, Hey, we're a culturally sound organization and we're perfect and everything's wonderful. You should come to work for us. And I think that's one of the big problems that, that we face. And I think that a lot of, people out there don't realize how much you can actually provide for your family. You know, I know two drilling companies right now that are looking for workers, one in Indiana and one in uh, Tahlequah. Both of them are clients of mine and they're great companies to work for. They have people that have worked there for 30 and 40 years, providing great 
opportunities for their families, 401k and matches that are out of this world, company, truck, cell phone, you name it, you got it. And they're there to train you and help you to move along your way. And I think that the misnomer is that <laughs> you like, especially in mining where I really come from, it, it, it's, it, you know, they, they still think about Barney rubble. They think that this is such a horribly dangerous situation that you're in all the time and you're No, it's not true. We actually don't even rank in the top 10 most dangerous jobs in America. And um, it's a phenomenal way to provide for your family and move forward for you. For sure. And the, the one thing you didn't mention there, these opportunities that you speak of are very high paying opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are very well paid. They are very competitive. I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they think those are lower paying jobs, civil mm -hmm. construction and mining, especially if you're that guy or that gal that wants to get in there, you want to show up early, you want to stay late, you're willing to do any job you're asked to do, you're willing to be a team player, you're willing to move forward and work hard and be a positive influence in the organization, you have a phenomenal opportunity to move up that ladder. So you're not just in one place. Now, if you choose to stay, you know, I met a lot of guys that were lifers in a haul truck. And they loved it. And there was nothing wrong with that. They were still making sixty-five dollars to $70,000 a year in that haul truck. But there was a lot of people that wanted to move up to that foreman position or project manager position. And I'm telling you, it's all up to you. The beautiful thing about these industries are no one can hold you back but you. The only thing that's weighing you down is that eight pounds on your shoulders. <laughs> so you've got to wrap your brain around. This is a one, a phenomenal opportunity. Two, if you show up, and really are proactive, man, you are going to jettison forward because we do desperately need leaders. We do desperately need people that are going to be in those seats to get the job done because the work is there and the jobs are most certainly there. No doubt about it. And we, we struggle with a lot of the same things in the, in the survey profession. Um, you know, I wouldn't say we're in dire straits right now, but we're on a slippery slope. I mean, the, the, the profession, the numbers are dwindling. Um, you know, the, the surveyors that should be mentoring are about to be retiring. And yeah. we've just, we haven't done a really good job about promoting the profession. And it's now coming back to bite us. Now we're basically trying to play catch up. And they're just like you said, you know, there's so many good opportunities in the survey profession. Profession. And you don't need to have a college degree to make the no. best of, make the most of these opportunities mm -hmm. and, and make a great living. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to have the right attitude, yeah. show up, want to learn and put the time in and you are going to be extremely successful. I think one of the things that too, that we're seeing, and I, and I hate this, but it was the same way when I was growing up, you know, the older guys would always say these young people, yep. no, they're just yep. so disrespectful. Yep. And I really mm. think they missed it. And mm. what I want to tell the older guys is mm -hmm. you're missing it. You know, you're going to be complaining about millennials. We're complaining about this and that, but that's what has always happened. The older generation is always complaining, but it's up to you to be mentors. It's up to you to guide and speak their language. You've been on this planet a lot longer than they have. So if you're going to progress as a leader, and a mentor, you've got to realize it's time for you to get inside their heads so you can get inside their hearts so they can work with their hands. And it is so vital that we have people that are just get passionate about their professions and want to mentor because there's a huge gap for between those who know and those who are starting out. For sure. And a lot of these, uh, these skilled trades are not something that you're going to learn in a classroom. You have to be, it's a hands-on thing. It's a hands -on, on the job training. On the job training. On the job, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the whole mentoring thing, it's something that our profession, as far as land surveying go, goes, is, is absolutely struggling with. Um, in some states, you know, to become a licensed surveyor, it does require a four-year degree. In a state like Arizona, it doesn't require a four-year degree. It just requires time and commitment. Um, so there, there's some challenges there as well. Um, it, it's probably a lot of the same things that, that, that you deal with on a, on, a, on a daily basis in the, uh, you know, in, in the trades that you work in. Absolutely. And I think that there's just this huge disconnect and we've not been communicating well, but in the defense of civil construction, surveying, mining, there's been a huge paradigm shift in how we communicate and how we do things. And it happened at a very, very short amount of time compared to when you look at, you know, at cultures throughout history, the Mycenaeans, and then turning into the Greeks and all these things. These were gradual movements, okay? These changes that happened took hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And just look at 20 years ago, how we recruited, how we did things compared to how we do things now. And so 
if you are a business leader, if you're a president, CEO, I'm going to tell you, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't get upset. And the biggest thing, the worst thing that you can do is be as a negative force in that situation. The best thing that you can do is be a positive force and be willing to reinvent the way that you communicate, being willing to be open and honest about your culture and who you are as an organization and be proud of who you are and showcase it and really get out there and find people that are right for your culture. So hire for your culture, hire slow. I know the work's there. You want people who are there and the temptation is higher, fast, higher, fast, but your turnover rates are too high. If you shame the devil and tell the truth, you know it's true. And that's costing you, compounding you thousands and thousands of dollars with onboarding and offboarding. So learn how to communicate the way people do now. Adapt and be ahead of the game. Start getting proactive and having to be reactive because you cannot keep this pace. No doubt. And something you mentioned there is uh, what's culture. And that's something I, I, I want to focus on just a little bit. So, you know, speaking of like organizational health and, and culture, our company culture. Now, when, when people think about company culture, they think, oh, that's got to be a $20,000 20,000 person firm to have culture, you know, but I think culture can be in a five person firm Absolutely. as well. Right. So if you look at the term and I, and I love Stanford kind of corners the market on teaching organizational culture. And one of the things that I love is how they spin it. So if you just look at it, like I said before, the Greeks, Mycenaeans, they were a culture and they did things X, Y, and Z. So if you have two employees, one employee, a hundred thousand employees, you have a culture. You have a culture of the way you do things. You have a culture of the way you perform. Now, whether that culture is good or bad, that's subjective to every person. Mm. So I might love a job that you guys all hate. And I might love coming to that job and working hard and being a savage every day. And you're like, you know what? Ah, this is not for me. And you go away, you give a bad review online, say I have a terrible culture. That is not at all what culture is. And that's why I always tell people to recruit for culture. But first, you must equate to what your culture actually is. And a lot of the times, that's when you need help. That's where we can step in and define what your culture is, help you to motivate and move the organization toward the desired culture that you hope for, and then start to recruit in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not, God, Had you speechless for a second. Speaking my language here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I absolutely love that. And uh, as far as, as culture goes, once you determine what that culture is, I mean, you got you to gotta commit to it, right? I mean, you can't really waver. And then what I mean by that is when don't waver and bring people into that culture that aren't going to be a fit culturally, because that's going to be counterproductive. And that's hard because you, if, if you're interviewing me for a job, I'm going to be the best person you've ever heard of, right? Because right. I'm going to put my best foot forward as best I can. And sometimes you guys can't get down on when you're trying to find that right fit. Because look, I was let go at an organization because culturally, my ideals and what I wanted for culture and what I was trying to push and produce was not the direction that they wanted to go. So who was right or wrong in that situation? They were right in what they were doing. Mm. They made the right choice in moving me on to put someone in there that actually fit the culture so the organization didn't sit there and trip over itself all the time because there were all this clash of different ideals. Now, obviously, you don't want a bunch of zombies, right? You don't just want a bunch of yes men that are coming in that are blindly doing what you, you want to do because on a safety side of that, that's definitely not what you want. You want people that will speak for themselves, speak up, be their brother's keeper, and being able to call you out to your core values or to your mission statement. And so it takes time. So don't get down and frustrated, but you've got to start to find a pace that works for you. And yes, once you define that desired culture, you have to stick with it and hold yourself accountable. Because if you don't do that, you are going to lose all credibility as a leader. Yep. Because I, I really hate when organizations have these culture days and they, they bring all these people together, these upper management or mid-management people to bring and brainstorm their core values. And they paint themselves in a corner. And then once the rubber meets the road, they throw those things out because still at the end of the day, you got to feed the monster and the job has to be done. And now you have all these disenfranchised workers that are looking for a mass exodus. Yep. So I know an organization right now that I'm desperately wanting to work, to work with. And so if they hear this, guys, you know who you are. You know who you are. And uh, every single person in their executive staff has reached out to me at some point, minus the CEO and the president, and they're looking for another job. 
They feel like they were lied to. They feel miserable at what they're doing. There's no mission. There's no vision behind what they're doing. And they just feel like another cog and their job is on the line every single day. And so if they don't hit a home run, they're afraid that they're going to get fired. Let me tell you something. You need my help and you know who you are. <laughs> Love it. Self-promotion, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless. Shameless. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. And just as like, you know, full transparency, I was in a situation not too long ago where I, you know, took a job with a company. And as it turned out, uh, after about six months, it just wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good fit for mm -hmm. them with me or me with them. And it's okay to admit that and just yeah. move on, you know? I mean, otherwise you're like square peg, round hole and forcing it. And that's not going to work for anybody. Are you going to plug away at something that you know is not going to work? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's that, that simple. It's okay to admit it was just not a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. And all your employees are looking at each other going, am I crazy? Mm. Am I nuts? Or is this wrong? Is this totally messed up? Well, it's messed up to you, but the leadership right. has clearly shown you what the true culture of the organization is. And now that you know, you need to start to make that exit strategy. And mm -hmm. by doing that, you need to network. You need yep. a network like your life depends on it. And too many people, and I'm blue collar people, I want to reach out to you because a lot of times we look at these advertisements and we see commercials, we see people on Instagram and we think, man, look how awesome they are. And so we put in the application because we believe what we see. Yep. Look, this is not how real life works. If I told you I've got a unicorn in the back of my pickup truck and I just need you to give me $10,000, put it in my hand and I'll go <laughs> back to the truck and I'll get the unicorn for you. You are never going to see me again. Okay. And so you have got to realize this is the same thing. Start networking. I mean, the internet, look at it, what it is. Look at Instagram, Facebook, look at LinkedIn, Clubhouse, Twitter. I mean, all these places that are out there right now, Find somebody who works there. Find out what the real culture is like. Find out what if it would suit you as a person and if it fits your lifestyle and if it fits your way of working and, and, and doing things. And man, I'm going to tell you, you're going to thank me for it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so well said. There's so many different um, resources that allow a person to do their homework to, you know, help in that decision-making process. Um, so yeah, very, very, very well said. I appreciate that. One thing I want to touch on, and you mentioned earlier is about, you know, safety and accountability and, you know, safety without question should be a part of, of all of these cultures, especially when you're working with blue collar workers. Um, talk about that a little bit more. I know, I know you spent a lot of time in the mining industry and safety is of the utmost uh, importance in, in, in those fields for sure. I think, my goodness, that is such a Pandora's box, really. Um, safety in an organization, and plus, you know, that's that's public knowledge for any organization you're going to work for. You can find their safety records. Uh, for MSHA, you have to do is know their MIN number. And then for OSHA, I'm sure there's ways there as well. Um, safety is paramount. And I think there's a lot of people that are still have that old school mentality and are willing to that whole, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Mm. But I'll never forget going to a, a mine site and saving somebody's life. Mm. And I'm, I'm never going to forget the times where uh, blasters told me it was okay to sit somewhere with my pickup truck and then watch my pickup truck get covered by material that was flying through the air, something wow. that was overshot in shale. I'm never going to forget what it was like to see um, the front of my drill almost fall off a 90 foot high wall. Mm. And so these things are paramount. You have to understand this. These, there are dangerous things that happen and you have to look out for each other. You have to speak up and you have to take that. So integrally, we get into these places, we get hired, we do our part 48, we do our OSHA 30 and our eyes roll in the back of our, our head because we're just cashing it in. Cause it's so boring, but it isn't boring on that day when you see somebody lose their life. <laughs> and that happens in any industry period, bar none. Yeah. Yeah. It gets I, uh, real serious. Absolutely. I can totally relate to that. I had a party chief uh, struck and killed about three years ago uh, under my watch. So obviously, you know, it's safety is one of those things that I've always taken seriously. And I was working for a very large company at the time who had a very robust safety program and accidents happen. Some things are unavoidable. There's no doubt about it. But just like you said, you know, when you've been a part of, you know, the loss of life as a result of an accident, um, I don't ever want to see anybody, anybody I know, anybody I don't know, be put in that position because it was one of the most uh, devastating times of my life, no doubt about it. I'll never forget what a guy told me one time. He, uh, everybody in the group and the crew said that this guy was going to hate me and that I was going to hate him. And so I'm one of those people who has determined if that guy's going to hate me, I'm going to make him love me before this whole thing's over. Mm. Well, I failed. 
And um, he did not love me. But one of the things I loved that he said to me one time, he came on a shot and it was a very uh, risky shot. I was on a drill tech drill. So I'm standing outside on the panel on the high wall. So I'm hooked up. I'm harnessed up. My heels are literally off the high wall and I'm about 86 feet in the air. And I never forget him coming to me and stopping what I was doing. And he he literally said this to me, but it hit me hard. He's like, Mike, I don't like you. As a matter of fact, I kind of hate you. It's like the first time I saw you, bald-headed dude, biker guy, I knew he was going to hate you, and I do. But I don't hate you enough to look at your kids and tell you why I didn't make you do something safer. Mm. Wow. And it it hit me hard. And I was like, wow, wow you got to really hate somebody not to protect them. And so we <laughs> we redid some things. We made it safer for me, and I thanked him. Of course, he wouldn't hear up. You know, He didn't want to hear thank you. He didn't like me. But he didn't like me enough to look at my kids and tell me I wasn't coming home. And so, man, that's so paramount that we have to realize every day that, hey, we're all in this together. And, that, you know, that life has life waiting for it at home. Yep. And that's somebody's baby girl. That's somebody's son. You know, and so we've got to take that into consideration every day. Every day. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. How, so tell me how, in your opinion, uh, you talked about leadership a little bit. Um, you know, how, how do you tie leadership and emotional intelligence together? This is really huge. And I think that this, both of those, these things can grow together, right? I don't care where you are at in your life right now. So if you're just, if you, if you're at the company that you're at and you're like, look, I'm the bottom guy here. You know, I'm the last guy they're going to choose to be a leader. This is your opportunity to grow and to continue to move forward. Your emotional intelligence can grow. So if you've told yourself, I'm a dumb person, you got to stop that because you're not. You're brilliant in so many ways. You're just not allowing yourself to to, to look at that. And jaded views of other people in your own self has gathered up enough for you to think that you're dumb. You're not dumb. So you've got to understand that it's time to invest in you as a leader. The place that I would start is Dicon- or, um, Extreme Ownership by Leif Baden and Jocko Willing. This is a wonderful entry level to leadership book that's going to change your life. Oh, I don't read well. Well, guess what? Modern tech, you can get it on Audible. Like, I don't know Jocko. I don't know Leif. But I'm telling you, this book will confirm things that you already know and challenge you in some levels. Then dichotomy of leadership is step number two. Get in there and invest in yourself. Emotional intelligence means that you understand also that you, you may not have the highest IQ, but there are consequences to the things that you choose to do and say. And that has a ripple effect in every team you're a part of and even at home in your family. And I want to tell you, as you grow for your team, you're going to grow for your family. I will never forget what a client of mine's daughter said. He was sitting her down, talking to her, trying to encourage her. She just broke her hand and she was a, a high competitor in soccer. She broke her hand and her dad's just helping her through it. And she said, mom, where's dad? Because I like this version better. And so I want to encourage you to grow anyway, even if you're not, even if you don't have a chance at the foreman position, do it anyway, because your family's relying on, and what you'll pour into them has an eternal, eternal ripple effect that is never going to change. The more good that you put into the world, the more good that you put into yourself is going to grow and perpetuate itself and build a legacy that will far surpass your legend. I promise you. I think I just got the chills. It's getting deep. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, oh, man. And the fact that you mentioned Jacko, I, we're going to be <laughs> friends forever. <laughs> I love I'm Jocko, a big fan, man. man. I love Jocko. Um, you mentioned the word legacy. You know, I definitely want to give you an opportunity to talk about, uh, you know, Bowman legacies, of course, and what your mission is. But I got to be honest with you. One of the things that I've taken very seriously of probably over the last five, six, maybe seven years of my career, I'm getting up there now, is just that. I mean, leaving a legacy. You know, yeah. if you focus yeah. on that, oh my gosh, how things change. It's unbelievable. So, um, you know, Mike, t- tell us about Bowman legacies. Well, when we live in a, in, a, in a world where our value is equated by how many views and followers we have, we've kind of lost connection to what legacy truly is mm. and what it means. I had a, a grandfather named Amos Bowman. Bowman is how they pronounced the name back then. And Amos was a legend here in, in the hills and hollers where I'm from. He had a legacy. People knew him as a man who loved people and who was striving to fight for what was right, no matter what it cost him. That, my friends, is legacy. Legacy is the thing that when you're laying in the casket, 
that people can either do one of two things. Your kids, the people that you work with can either say one, gee, I wish this went better. Mm. Or two, I'm going to miss that person. But what they poured into my life means everything. And I'm going to perpetuate that. That, my friends, is legacy. It has nothing to do with your finances. has nothing to do with whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're black or you're white, you're gay or you're straight, you're Muslim or you're Christian, no matter where you're from, whatever God's packaged you in, legacy is eternal, my friends, both good or bad. And that is what Bowman Legacies is all about, helping you to change the trajectory of your legacy to help give you that paradigm shift for you to be able to see and open a whole new world for your life and for your organization so that you can bring people along for the ride. How many presidents out there are looking at their own their own businesses and going, man, I want more for my people. I want more for my people. Well, it's not incentive programs. It's not your safety incentive program. It's not a camp chair with your logo. It's bigger than that. It's growing your people right where they are, growing them personally, growing them in their stat, uh, in their craft, growing them as a leader and building their legacy. And that is what we are all about every day. I mean, there's the nuts and bolts of Bowman Legacies. We help people learn how to network on LinkedIn. We teach, uh, I have several clients of mine that are CEOs and presidents that uh, we're teaching them how to utilize LinkedIn to showcase their um, organization for the meaning of, of, um, of recruiting. We I'm helping another guy uh, network in such a way, a president of an organization, because he's looking at an exit strategy. He's growing older. The company has been a very, very uh, made him very wealthy. And now he wants to move on, but he doesn't have kids to pass it off to. So he's looking for a buyer. So these are part of the nuts and bolts. We help another organization. Well, many organizations, we mentor their leaders to help them to lead on a higher level and to realize you don't have to spend a ton of money to raise up your leaders. And so we call that the art of replication. It's something that we teach within organizations to replicate both leadership and culture throughout the organization from the head to the tail. And so that's kind of Bowman legacies in a nutshell, but really what we're all about is helping you to really do something so eternal and so massive that our hope is to have a global footprint before this is all said and done. That's awesome. I mean, the, the word legacy, I mean, I'll be, like I said earlier, I mean, it's something that <clears throat> I really haven't taken that seriously mm-hmm. until like the last, like probably six, seven years of my, my career, my life, what have you. And I think it's important that the sooner that we realize and buy into the idea of leaving a, um, a legacy that leaves a footprint on your profession, on your life, on the people you're around, the better off we're going to be. And you mentioned, I guess it was somewhat of an analogy. Well, you know, you, when you're laying in your casket at the end of your time, you know, what are people, what are people thinking, you know, and I'm, I'll be honest, I mean, I'm 54 now and, you know, you kind of start to think about, oh my gosh, you know, I might have 20 years, 20 good years left or this or that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what, what, what are people going to say when you're gone? You know, when they hear the name Kent Grow, what are they going to say? You know, and I think about that shit. And but, but man, oh man, it motivates the hell out of me. I got to be honest with you. Hell of a podcaster. That's what they're going to say. Yeah. Hopefully, it's more than that. <laughs> it, was an, it was an okay surveyor and a hell of a podcaster. Hopefully, it's more than that. That's for sure. I'll never, I'll never forget seeing a father look at his son and say, "Son, don't ever have kids because when you do, you won't ever have anything worth having. You won't have boats. You won't have cool cars. You're always working to provide for them." And then see what that young man's life turned into in his early 20s, 30s, and on into his 40s. And then I will never forget seeing a father do just the opposite to his son and ask him his opinion when he was 12 years old and try to motivate him to think on things on a higher level and constantly pouring in them and then seeing where his life is now. I'm going to tell you, the first guy's life was a struggle, a horrible struggle. The second guy's life has been nothing but an upward trajectory from the day that he launched outside of that house. And he is what I, what I call the Midas touch Levi, my friend Levi, he, everything he touches seems to be so blessed all the time, but he had the proper upbringing. He had accountability. Mm. He had those proper tools in his life to help him jettison forward. Boom legacy. And that didn't cost that father anything. Yeah. So man, what time that's awesome. And accountability, you mentioned that. I mean, that is, that's everything, man. That is everything. And, and, you, and the legacy is something you leave behind for your kids, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it may not be a material thing, but it, it's, 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 um, gosh, it, and it's, it's a respect. It's a level mm-hmm. of respect that you leave behind for your kids. Um, yeah. So 
you have a podcast. Uh, we definitely want to touch on that just a little bit. I know it's something that's fairly new to you, but yeah. uh, how, how do folks find that? So it's the Bowman Legacies podcast. You can find it on everywhere, every platform you can find podcasts. Um, and it is strictly about encouraging you. It's about bringing you new knowledge. Uh, we had a Marine Corps vet who lost his leg and both legs in one hand and how he is moving forward in life. It was a phenomenal podcast. Um, it was probably the worst interview I've ever done only because I was in awe the whole time. I just, it, it, I had nothing to, like, I had nothing to reference in that moment, but the the encouragement that he gave us and the challenge of life that he gave us was just so phenomenal. So it's just simply devoted to encouraging you, help you move forward. It is not a plug for Bowman Legacies uh, at all, but it's our way of, of, of kind of sowing some seed into other people to encourage them to do the, the next right thing. You might not be able to uh, afford a mentor, a coach, or uh, um, a consultant. So this is our way of giving to those who can't. For sure. And I think what you described just now was, uh, you know, you, you were humbled. You showed humility. And I think, uh, you know, humility plays such a huge, massive role in, uh, in leaving a legacy, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah, without it, you know, I, I know the, the template now is to be as arrogant and, so, and like I said, that spectacle as much as you can and be so stern about your opinions. But sometimes we hold so white knuckle to things that we end up going in the wrong direction. And uh, that pride can really hurt us. And so I just want to encourage you guys, for those of you listening to this podcast today, you have greatness within you. You have greatness within you because you're sucking air. And it's up to you to sh- polish it off to look at it. And if you would shame the devil and tell the truth, you've always seen that it was there. And the biggest hurt in your life is the fact that no one has seen it or people were always making fun of it. So whatever that greatness is within you, start nurturing it, start feeding it, start growing it and stop listening to what people say on that side of the negative. Stop listening to all those things when people are making fun of you or people are putting you down because that greatness wasn't meant just for you. It was meant for the whole wide world to grow from, to live from, and to love from. So keep going. Don't get discouraged. You absolutely have this. It starts with a decision, right? I'm glad this is a daytime one. It starts with a decision. I'm going to go hit the world hard today after this discussion. (laughs) I'm going to hold you accountable to that, Shoots. I'm going to see what it looks like when you hit the world hard. Oh, man. Nobody wants to see that. (laughs) All right. So if our listeners want to find out more about Bowman Legacies, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Man, just hit us up. We're hot on LinkedIn right now. Um, we don't have a website. Just really kind of feeling that's a little disingenuous to the process right now. We are working on that. Um, but also the Bowman Legacies podcast, BowmanLegacy.com. We're on YouTube. We have a lot of uh, video shorts on that one. That's uh, Bowman Legacies. Um, and uh, hit us up on LinkedIn. Hit us up on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Michael Bowman 243 I do a live most Mondays around 5 o'clock. Um, and it's just my opportunity to coach you guys for free because we're really a um, big fan of Ed Milet. I'm a big fan of him and him pushing out a lot of really free, good stuff out there and not hiding a lot from you. And so um, we want to do that too. We want to help as many people as we can because it's about the message more than the money. For sure. For sure. I love that. Uh, so you, you mentioned, Ed, you mentioned uh, Jacko earlier. What are, what are some other of your um, like go-to inspirational related resources? Man, look, you know, I'm the first guy to, to, to cuss when I, uh, hit my, uh, hand with a hammer and sometimes I'll drop the F bomb just because, and so I'm not perfect. Let me put it that way. But yeah, Jesus is a big fan. I'm a big fan of Jesus. Um, one of my, it's one of the questions on there was said, what was my mantra is like, love God and don't be a dick. And so that's kind of, that, <laughs> that's, it. that's my theory in life. And, um, I don't care what you're packaged in today, man, God loves you. So do I. And, um, I think other people to look at are people who aren't trying to sell you something, okay? People who are really trying to do something great for the world today. And you can know what that is when there's not a whole lot of money back behind it. So keep searching, keep looking, man. If you're reading, read anything from John Maxwell. He's got some great stuff. He's not just a Christian leader. He's, he's been working in the um, executive world for a long time. He's made himself a multimillionaire doing it. Jocko, of course, I'm a huge fan of Jocko, huge fan of Ed. So these are great opportunities that are free to you. Your local library, guys, it's free to you. And they have an app and they have an Audible app that you can listen to things for free. That knowledge is out there for you more than it ever has been. 
no doubt. And you know what? The world is a tough place right now. It really is. <laughs> it I mean, is. I, I was like, you know, I, I, I really try not to watch the news and stuff like that, but sometimes you just can't avoid the negativity. And I was telling my wife the other day, I'm like, this is not the world I signed up for. You know, I mean, oh. this is freaking insane. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know what? I mean, I can, I consider myself a pretty stable person, but there's, there's days that I struggle. I got to be honest with you. And if I'm struggling, I know there's a gazillion other people out there that struggle as well. So, um, as I, much, if not more. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Yep, yep. You know, I think it's running that balance of staying informed, but not getting down about it because all the sadness and all the anxiety you get aren't going to change it. And you have to understand that you have to own that you have to hold captive every thought that enters your mind because it belongs to you. So when you're giving certain people that moment to have that captive part of your mind, you're allowing them to affect your mood. You're allowing them to affect your life. So make sure that you're doing this in wisdom. And sometimes you got to take it in small doses, bro. You just can't sit there and sleep on CNN for a couple hours because you will walk away very sad. Oh, so true. So true. And I catch myself doing that. You know, I'm like watching the news and I'm in like 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in. And I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> why am I'm I so angry? Yeah. Why am I allowing myself to get in this mood? It's awful. Why, why is this world so messed up? Oh man? my God. Oh why my am God. I following it? So this was going to be <laughs> yeah. my, uh, this is going to be my icebreaker question and we kind of breezed over it, but I'm curious to your answer. Who would be a non-fictional leader you would like to have a, uh, a beer with? All day long. Okay. I've got, I've got, um, shoot. And that was so shoots. hard for me too. And I was hey, really trying hey, to just think about it. Right here. No, right here, baby shoots you and me. We can no, arrange okay. That. Um, Muhammad Ali is one. Mm. Uh, I love combat sports, big fan, been in and out of it my whole life. Nice. Um, teach my kids, my girls, uh, self-defense because I'm not raising subservient sheep. I'm raising young lions. And I feel like they need to know how to knock a guy out. And my oldest awesome. daughter has a right cross that will slap, knock you out. And um, so Muhammad Ali is a big inspiration to me, how he kept going through adverse times and and was willing to reinvent himself because I'm huge on reinventing. And man, did he ever, did he ever flip the script? And then on the other side of that, too, is Abraham Lincoln. Oh, dude, was, dude, you know dude, he's my hero. We, we met dude. him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, rock on. Okay, yeah. well, that's a whole new podcast, I think. No, mm. but for real, Abraham Lincoln. Totally, one, was, man. The guy was jacked. A lot of people don't know that, yeah. but the autopsy actually says it. They're like, they could not believe how fit the man was. Um, so if, uh, if, if the guy pulling the trigger was actually standing in front of him – Abraham would have whooped his ass. Um, The other thing is just how he got through adversity like he did. is unbelievable to me. And and he didn't have a huge college education. He wasn't an Ivy League guy. He didn't have a trust fund. He didn't have, you know, all these gurus and influencers to tell him how to live life and how to make it through it. And yet he did. And he is just an absolute inspiration to me and the adversity he faced and yet still coming out of it. uh, Being uh, such a leader. Golly. Yes. Uh, Unbelievable. Gettysburg Address, standing right there at the Lincoln Memorial. I just never forget, 4th of July. I'm bawling reading it because you know the history of this guy. You know the before and after. You know what I mean? And he didn't even know that was on the radar. He didn't know how his end would be. And still, man, he was just, he was preaching it hard. And so he's just been such an intriguing inspiration to me. Talk about legacies. He, oh, jeez, right? Oh, God, <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I can't Between believe those two. I can't believe you mentioned Abraham Lincoln because he's like number one on my list. I mean, yep. coincidentally, and the definition of resilience, no doubt about it. And uh, let's not forget, he is a land surveyor or was a land surveyor. Was was, a, that's right. Yeah. Yes. I thought, I thought oh once my a land God. surveyor, yeah, always right. a land surveyor. That's so he right. still it's is. Kind of like the Marine Corps, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, Mike. So we've, uh, gosh, I don't know. We've, we've touched on everything I was hoping we'd get to. Is there anything that we haven't got out there that you might want to add? Man, just always, 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 no matter where you're at, if you're listening to this right now, again, let me reiterate the fact that you have greatness within you. And that's not some commercial thing that I picked up. I'll never forget a man named Perry Sanders looking at me when I had just got fired from my job. I had beat up a manager. They didn't call up the cops. Um, I will say that he struck first, but uh, I got fired from this job and I'm looking at this man and he looked at me and just told me, man, you have greatness within you. And it made me so angry at the moment because I had never heard that before. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, I thought he was trying to pick me up, 
But when I realized that he was just trying to invest in me as a person and he realized that it was making me angry, I'll never forget what he said. That greatness is for you, man. It's for the whole wide world. And you've always known that it's there, man. I started crying <laughs> and I remember wow. Mr. Tough guy who thought he was so badass is over there just blubbering like a little child. And I want to encourage you. You are loved. You are great. Now start acting like it. Start prioritizing, executing that dream, turn it into a vision, get provision for that vision and start to move forward because you're worth it. This life is very short, guys. I'm 46 and it went by like a flash. So man, be intentional about what your dream is. Turn it to a vision, get the provision, prioritize and execute and make it happen. Wow. Uh, that was a drop. Li mic literally, <laughs> literally brought it, literally brought a tear to my eye. And if I could hug you through this webcam, I would right now. We got to figure that out. If we can, we can figure that out. How you can like hug through a webcam. Well, uh, apparently robots touch, uh, uh, driving to Vegas, aired on the radio. People respond oh, God, well no. to it. Like no, 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 mama, no, mama, no. Everybody goes the dirty route, but it's just like a reassuring yeah. pat or yeah. something no, like that. Mama, no, I can handle it. I'd be like, "What are you doing?" So great. That is not okay. Oh man, it's so awesome, Michael. Hey, thank you so much for joining yes, us you. and sharing uh, sharing the wisdom. You know, sharing that passion. Absolutely loved it, and uh, I feel even more motivated than I did when I freaking started this. I'm like, ready to go attack ago. the world. Yeah, absolutely. Go do it, man. Go in. No question. <laughs> no question. All right, shoot. You got anything else? I'm good. I'm ready to go. PJ, you good? Stop. That was a mic drop moment. I loved it. Absolutely. Good place man. to end it. You can't top that. No doubt about it. All right, man. Well, that's a wrap, boys. Uh, can confirm another awesome value-adding friend-making show without question. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Like and follow us on all social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics. Download not only all of our podcasts from most everywhere, but also please download the Geoholics app from landsurveyorsunited.com. Send us an email at info at the geoholics if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program. Every chance you get, be sure to mention that you're a geoholic for the VIP treatment. Pay it forward. Add value, make friends. Who we got you? What's that? Who we got? Who's taking us out? This is Blind Melon, no rain. All right, taking us out. <laughs> available everywhere. Until next time, everybody, be safe and healthy. Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, nlcprep.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.